Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hello, and welcome to the next episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. It is such a pleasure to be the host of this show because I get to introduce the audience to some really interesting people and some people who've had really diverse backgrounds, who have gone out on their own and become an entrepreneur, a solopreneur. Some of the people still work in businesses. They just have that entrepreneurial spirit. And, and others, others just – maybe they have a side hustle job and they just want to figure out how to grow that and turn it into something else. But we have interviewed such an eclectic group of people, and today I have some somebody on the show that I think you're all going to love. I think you're going to be like, wow, she's a powerhouse. Where did you find her? Well, if you listen to the last episode, my guest Marcello and I talked about the National Speakers Association a little bit and how I don't think I would have been in business if it wasn't for the people who I met through my involvement with NSA. And Pagin is one of those people. So today we have, as our guest on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, we have Pagin. And she is a keynote speaker, but she's also the founder of of the Global Women's Leadership Experience, and I can't wait till she tells you what that is all about. She has over 30 years' experience developing women and teen girls as leaders. She's been quoted in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, Forbes, and she has spoken for companies and government agencies and nonprofits, really helping inspire women to be the best they can in their careers or as entrepreneurs and in life. She is a results-driven pioneer, and she has scaled her situational experience company. Just, It's just fabulous, the things that she's done. So I'm just going to invite her on the show right now and let her tell you about all the crazy cool stuff she does. Hey, Pagin, welcome. Hi. Welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. I am so excited to be amongst entrepreneurs, my, my brothers and sisters of high risk, high value. I love being with you guys, so I'm excited to be here. So you've done, you've done some really cool things with your experiential business that, that, that you've run. Why don't you tell the audience about what your company is all about? So we do two things. One is we enhance, push, pro, probe, and provoke women leaders to lead powerfully and effectively in high-risk, high-value situations. And we work with my clientele is major corporations like Walmart, General Motors, um, Colgate-Palmolive, who are looking to move women up rank and to be able to create an environment where they say, yes, 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 I'm ready to take it on. We also work with entrepreneurs, female entrepreneurs who are looking for over a million dollars of funding. And work with them to push, prod, and provoke them so that when they're in front of people, people believe them, people want to cheer them, and people want to invest in their companies. And we do that through something very different than most people. We produce situational training exercises, which are like, Tom, have you ever watched um, – you know, like an army movie and you see them before they go into battle, they do these practice runs with role players. Sure, absolutely. And and there's there's a lot of things in business where, you know, people try to, to, to like in sales to sort of walk through a, a pretend thing before they go on a sales call. Right. So what we do is we accelerate that. We write 
scenarios that are going to push and provoke people so that they freak out so that their bodies and minds, they want to, we call it the Pegeen puke moment. My job is to push them so hard with our role players and stuff. So they feel like they're going to puke and fail. So tell everybody about your role players. This is the part of what you do that is so awesome. And I I don't think people are going to understand it unless you describe what you mean by role players. So role players are professional actors that have been trained to become uh, someone that I want them to be that are there to create a live scenario so that you as the entrepreneur enter into room and you think it's real. It is real. It is so real that the office is real. The situation is so real. You forget that this is all imaginary. And my role players, my actors become your, well, whatever the scenario is. So we've had women who were seeking million dollar funding. So I will have the most obnoxious person on the other side of the table who will throw questions at them totally to press their buttons. I know they're weak, the women's weak spots. So we'll throw questions to them. Uh, we even, we've done it with guys. Guys will call us up and say, please, can you just do it for us? So we had a guy that had amazing product, amazing company, and had the opportunity to pitch beat in front of the owner of the Jaguars, the football team. He was only given five minutes. And so we created scenarios with a couple of actors that looked like the owner and looked like their gatekeeper and looked like the people he was going to encounter. And we put him through the paces because I want him to freak out. I want them to go, this sucks. It's not going to be like that. I'm like, great. So why did we press your buttons? Why did that come up? Why did you feel that way? And then we go time do over. And I throw them out of the room and I said, do it again. By the time they go live, they're so prepared. They're so calm. They're so collected. And of course the people that they're talking to aren't as bad as we made the people out to be. Now, sometimes you do this with like one actor, but you've done some of these things with, with many actors, right? Oh yeah. Our biggest job was um, training 2000 officers to be prepared to work with uh, tribes and negotiate deals. So we did 2000 officers every two days with my 50 role players, 12 villages, uh, two project managers. And we actually created a, a, we're in a place where we had, it looked like Afghanistan. I mean, it was dirt and rock and rubble. It was so not sexy. It was, we had fire and we even had somebody, sorry, we even had somebody um, roasting chicken and stuff. So the smell would wafe through the, the piece. We had drummers going, la, 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 la. so when you walked in, these were people that had been shipped and gone to Afghanistan, gone to Iraq. And my job was to prepare them for new situations that were totally different and break through any of their biases or thoughts so that they would save lives. So we did that. It was a lot of fun. So in addition to your experiential training, you also are a very successful keynote speaker. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I'm a keynote speaker who's an experiential keynote. So anybody that hires me for a keynote, uh, one is everybody in the audience is going to do something. I'm, I'm the keynote speaker that when people go, man, I hate this crap. And I say, that's great. Get over it. Move on. I'm the one that's doing it because I want to give you a live experience that you could take away from uh, the presentation. So we'll do 
huge and up to 5,000 people, I'll have them do very, very large scale experience. Um, so if we're talking about communication and building from a leadership, building connections, uh, they have been known to all stand up and do the Mexican hat dance and move and get to know somebody else and move and get to know somebody else. And it doesn't matter who they are. We worked with all the presidents and heads of um, BAE systems who flew in all hundred of their top leaders. And yeah, it was really interesting to see these guys with their neckties doing da dun da dun da dun um, But it's all because for a reason. We don't do activities because they're cute. We do activities so that they're pushed and prodded and provoked for high-risk, high-value situations. And that's what we specialize in. So you weren't always an entrepreneur. You started off with a regular job, like like many people. What, what's your background? Take us back to to young Pagine. What's your what's your background? Well, we don't have enough time to go through all of young Pagine, um, but my life has been an entrepreneur, a corporate person, a non for profit person, and an, an entrepreneur. <clears throat> my first job, you know, I, I don't know. Tom, if you know a little bit about my background, that was a former gang member. I did know that. I was hoping you were going to talk about it, but in our pre-interview, I forgot to say, can we talk about that you were in a gang? Yeah, so I was a, I was a Bronx girl gang member of a Latina gang, and my job, it was my first sales job, because my job was to be an escorter. I convinced you to walk with me to go get beat up, so it it was a girls gang. So like, it would not be wise of you to have googly eyes on the gang member leader lefty, who was really tough. Not a good thing to look at her boyfriend because trust me, I was a coming and I was going to convince you. And I remember escorting Francis one moment and I was just, it's going to be fine. Just a few punches. It'll be all over. You'll be fine. And then from there at 17, I just knew that that wasn't my path that I, I needed to get out my, I came from a, people talk about dysfunction. I came from dis- uber dysfunction. Uh, my sister had been the local prostitute and, and junkie and everybody said, you're just like her. And I would be like, no one, hell no. And so I did everything opposite from her. And so at 17, I was on the corner and I was with Lefty and Peanuts and Rats. And these were, the these were your gang sisters, Lefty and yeah. Peanuts and Lefty. Rats. Lefty looked like Cher. Ooh, Peanuts that's nice. looked like, yeah, but she was Cher with brass knuckles. She was a mean, <laughs> vicious lady. Uh, Peanuts, these are these are the main people, you know. And Peanuts was the short little, she was a, she was just a like a cucaracha, and then um, so and then Rat Rat just was a person that got everything done. Anyway, we were there, and I just said. From the outside looking at me, you go, N- you're too scary. But from the inside, I was just saying there had to be another way for me. Please, please, please guide me. And this image of a TV came up and it was me on TV, like kind of talking like we are now, right, on TV. And I didn't know what that meant. I just knew I had to leave. So within a week, I was on a plane to Spain because it was a long story. Hire me to speak. I'll tell you the whole story. <laughs> um, and I got to Spain and of course you're 17 without any money and then you can't find a job. So what do you do? You become an entrepreneur. 
because that's what entrepreneurs do. And by the time I was 18, I opened the first bilingual nursery school in Spain. I had convinced through a series of incidents, met a man who was looking to invest in nursery schools. I knew how to pitch the idea. My mom was a school teacher. He agreed. I called up my mom on the phone because it was very different back then. I called my mom and I said, please send me every book that you have about teaching. She had been a school teacher about teaching and early childhood education. I need it now. <laughs> and I, so I would write and I, I, I would prepare the night before and then I'd have to talk to him and act like I knew what I was talking about. And, and we ended up in three nursery schools by the time I was 23 and closing them down um, when I came back home. I came back home and I started as a receptionist, worked my way up to national sales manager for Pierre Cardin Gant menswear. My territory started to be from the tip of New York to the tip of Florida. I had to sell and sell suits and ties and coats. And then when somebody heard about my work and asked me, would I be willing to become president of a direct sales company? That was great. I said, yeah, absolutely, because sales is in my DNA. And then from there, the CEO had asked me, if you couldn't keep doing this, what would you do? And I said, I'd go back and get my master's in social work and group and organizational. I did not know what that meant. I said, I just know that I need to go back and, and help girls and gangs. And so I became a social worker, which is really funny because my first job, I went with my high heels and business suit into the hood of Bushwick, Brooklyn. And they were all like, nobody dresses like that. And I was like, what are you talking about that? And I was there and I ended up creating and then building the largest family support center for Latinas. And we taught them how to sell. If I can teach anybody, if I can teach you to sell, you will have a job forever. So what led you then to leave that world? I mean, you kind of followed your dream and you got to build that center helping girls. What led you from that to, to going out and starting, you know, the, the global women's executive leadership experience and becoming a speaker? What led you to make that leap from work to entrepreneurship again? Montel Williams. I, <laughs> that is the first time that question has been answered with the words Montel Williams. Yeah, Montel Williams. So I was running the center and my center got a phone call while I was out and they it turned out to be Montel Williams when he had his big talk show, his producers, and they wanted to have teen girls to interview who had changed their lives. And my girls, we had always prepared that one day the news might call. And when the producers interviewed them, they said, what what made you change your life around? And each of the girls, unbeknownst to me or anybody else, said, well, you don't know Pegeen. She doesn't let you fail. You just don't know her. She'll make you succeed. And so the next thing we knew, I came in on that Tuesday, and, and it was Montel Williams on the phone, and it was the real Montel Williams. And he said, you're coming into the show. And I was like, I don't even know who you are. And said, you're coming in. So we all went into the show in this fancy limo, and we did the show, and in the middle of the show, he talks a lot. Tom, the man, talks a lot. <laughs> and so I'm trying to do my work, and I said to him, Montel, shut up. And I put my hand up like a stop sign. Shut up and let me do my work. And he put it on his face with his hand like, ooh, you know, like, who are you? But, I, but he shut up, and I was able to do this work. That show got him his first Emmy ever. And then I was on his show 30 times and I got to do all TV shows except for Oprah and Jerry Springer, but I did every show in between. And then Montel said, nobody speaks the way you speak. 
you should be a speaker. And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. What's a speaker? <laughs> that's that's kind of what happened to me. Somebody told me I, I worked for a law firm and I was doing training for the lawyers. One of the lawyers said, this was the best training I've had in 15 years as a lawyer. Why do you work for us? Why don't you just go and, and become a speaker and a trainer? And I'm like, that's a thing? I was like the marketing director for the firm. I'm like, I know what that is. That's a, that's a box. It's this big and it's blue. I know what being marketing director for a law firm is. What do you mean just go be a speaker? And the guy was like, yeah, it's a whole thing. And he had a friend who was in this thing called the the National Speakers Association. And he told me about it. And I called his friend and his friend told me all about it. And the next thing I knew, I was on a five-year path. It took a while to, to get there. But uh, that was the same thing. I didn't have Montel Williams tell me that, but it was the same thing. It's like, you should be a speaker. It's like, what's that? That sounds, I'm that so, sounds cool. I'm so glad that you said that about being a director of marketing. You know, I, being an NSA, you know, I've met people that like, oh, I, my company always hired speakers. You know, that's how I knew it would be a speaker. And I'm thinking, damn, dang it. I was national sales manager for Pierre Cardin Gant. I never hired a speaker, ever. There was never a speaker coming in. I, I can't even think about my, that career ever. And then it wasn't until Montel said that, and that was when I got my first hint. He said it, and I went to a meeting that they said they were hiring a speaker. And I remember they were hiring this, this speaker, and she had <laughs> her resume, which was like 17 pages of all her PhD stuff. And they were going to pay her $1,000. And I was like, oh, my goodness. We're paying her $1,000 to speak? And then I heard her speak, and she's terrible. I can be better than that. So, anyway. <laughs> And you are. So Yeah, it's, it's really funny. It's, you know, it's about being an entrepreneur. You, you sometimes, for me, I don't know about for you, Tom, but for me, once I started hearing about it, I was in my job and it just kept on being festering in me. My job was great and I was doing a great job, but the thought of being an entrepreneur, the thought of being a speaker was like a little, one of those, I live in Florida, those noceums, these little bugs that just keep on squirreling around. And my boss had come to me and she said, you're doing a great job. We're going to give you a big salary. And I knew because I was married and had children, I knew that if I stayed long enough, I was going to get stuck with a salary because my husband was an entrepreneur. And if I stayed long enough, I'd be stuck there forever just for the money. And I couldn't do that. So I told her I quit. I was going to do my business. I didn't. I said, I'm giving you three months. I didn't tell my husband <laughs> I told my husband a week before my last day. You want to know why? <laughs> why? Because I knew he'd yell and scream and get all upset. And I didn't want to do it for three months of that. I figured, do it for a week. Yeah, let him yell know? for a week. He'll get over it. And now he's instrumental in helping you run your successful business. Oh, yeah, yeah. He is. He's my right-hand person. He's right there alongside. He's... So, so his business 16 years ago, and he's been working with me ever since. So it's interesting when you were giving your background to your story, something really, two things really resonated there. And that, that I wanted to repeat for the listeners to make sure that they heard. And one was the girls who were in the gangs that you had coached and counseled and helped them turn their lives around. They said, all of them said, 
you don't know Pagin, she doesn't let you fail. I mean, I think that should be like when I go to your website, it should say that right across the top because that is, I mean, that's what you do now. You're just right. not coaching girls and gangs. You're, you're coaching executive women around the world, but you don't know Pagin. She doesn't let you fail. I mean, that really, really resonated. And I think all of us, that's what we want to do if we're an entrepreneur. It's not just about making money. We want to go out and help other people succeed. And it doesn't matter if you're a speaker or a trainer. Even if you're selling a product or a service, you sell that product or a service to help other people succeed. And if you're the person who won't let others fail, you're going to rise to the top. And then right. the other thing you said that really just sort of rang so true is I knew that if I stayed, I would always be stuck with a salary. And that, for this audience, I think is a huge thing. For the, the people who listen to cool things entrepreneurs do, if nothing else Pagin says resonates, for the people who want to do it, it doesn't mean quit your job tomorrow, but just be oh, aware. Don't do that. Don't quit your job. <laughs> but, but what it means- I'll tell you why. <laughs> well, tell them in a second. But what it means is know you know, that- you know, if you don't want to be stuck, you know, start making a plan. Which is a perfect segue. Why I say, you know, while I was driven to, to leave and while I was driven to lead, I, I always tell the story when I'm talking to entrepreneurs. So, all right, I was going to leave. This is great. You know, had set up the phone, had set up the, the little office space before I left. It was all done. I, Started my business April 1st, 1996. At nine o'clock in the morning, I walked down to my little office. I sat there. Oh, I'm ready. I'm in business. I sat there. I looked at the monitor. I looked at the phone. And I realized that was at nine. At 930, I started getting nervous. And by 10 o'clock, I was on my hands and knees pounding the, the floor. Literally, I really was on the floor in fetal position saying, what did I do? What did I do? What oh, we've, do? we've all been there. <laughs> you know, and it was suddenly what became a, a mission because, of course, my husband was not happy. I, you know, I gave up a really nice salary and I gave up benefits and stuff. So now I had to hustle big time to say, oh, we're going to be fine. We're going to be, don't you worry a little thing about, it. we're going to be just fine. I lived with old school sales. I had a hundred beans and um, I had 50 coffee beans in one cup and an empty cup. And my job every day was to move a bean into the cup. So that was making phone calls, making phone calls, making phone calls. And I was schizophrenic because I felt, felt that I had to act like I was a big business from the beginning. I always thought that, that I had to sound. So if you called me up, you'd hear, Team Piggy, hello, can I help you? This is Margaret. Can I help you? Oh, I'm not sure that Piggy is available. One moment. Let me just check that one moment, please. And I'd hold and I'd go, hey, it's Piggy. How are you? How's it going? Then, of course, you know, they call, hello, Team Piggy, may I help you? You'd like accounting. Hold on one minute, please. Let me pass you to Annie. <laughs> this is Annie. What? 30 days. 30 days you get your money back. 30 days. <laughs> and and I was I was like that for a few years. So what advice do you have for somebody who wants to go out on their own? We started kind of down this path. So, you know, you said don't quit your job. 
But what advice do you have? What should people do who want to start a job? Besides, you know, probably you probably wouldn't recommend making up voices of fake, you know, accounts receivable people. If you have to go for that, (laughs) but but really, what what I would say and what I wish I I'll tell you some of the things that I wish I had done that I didn't do. Um, I do wish that I had taken my salary, even the three months, and just cut it by half and put half of it away and lived off that half. I, I, I really wish that I had been thoughtful that, oh my God, it may not work like I think. I'm, I'm such an optimist. And here's the problem with, with entrepreneurs. We're such optimists that we're going to go through it. It's going to all work out. It's that we don't really look at some of the negative stuff that can happen and, and look for solutions. It takes us time to learn that. So I, I want to, I definitely wish I had done that. If I had just taken half my salary and cut expenses while I was earning a salary so that I could live well while I'm trying to hustle with the business. That was one thing. The second thing was that I wish a year outside of going full of leaving, I would definitely tell you all to get business cards because and business cards and a pamphlet that tells your business, make it up. If you don't know what it is, just so that when you're meeting people and talking to them, you can show them your card and give them and, and and do that. I always, always tell people sign up for the hundred dollar direct sales package I don't care what company it is. You're not going to be in it forever, but sign up and attend their meetings because what they've done is invest a lot of money and a lot of time to teach people how to sell and ask for referrals. And when you go into your own business, if you've never done that, it takes too long for you to learn the skill and your business pays a price. So I do suggest that people sign up for a direct sales company so you could get the tapes and you could get that stuff. And you just, as they're talking about their, whatever it is that they're selling, insert your own company's name. So that's so interesting. About three or four episodes ago, I interviewed Katie Allen and she is the vice president of Via One Hope. And they are a direct marketing company that specializes in wine and coffee and they they have the you know the people who are the direct marketing people they they train them and and she talked about why you know a direct marketing company is a great place to start if you don't have necessarily your own idea for a business and things like that so it's interesting that you brought that up because just a couple of episodes ago Katie was just a fabulous guest talking about her success and everything with Via One Hope and how that direct marketing company really allowed her to go from what she did before which she had worked in media and some other stuff into having her own business because she was a mom and she wanted to have flexibility and, and things like that. So it's interesting you bring that up because we just talked about. Uh, direct sales is awesome. I, I, I Direct sales is, is really fantastic. And I've done it, worked for a lot of different kinds of companies. Um, it's how I paid for college. It's how I paid for our first home, you know, helped to pay for that and get some balance and, I realized as I've looked in, I've, I gained so many skills to be able to use it in my own business. Remember that these companies are investing everything about that. Those companies was made so that the individual is the entrepreneur. 
So everything they teach you is about you running your own business. Everything that they, every class of sales is about you running your own business. And so if you really are thinking about being an entrepreneur, that's something that you should consider uh, looking at. I mean, it just makes sense because it's a low cost way for you to learn the skills that you need to have to sell, to do your own business. So that sort of it's segues really into to my next question, which is how important, what, no matter what kind of business you're in, but obviously if you're in a direct sales business, this clearly matters. But for any business that somebody wants to start, how important is your network? Why is it important to get around good people who can, to, can teach you and who you can do business with and you can make referrals? Why is networking important for entrepreneurs? Great question. Networking is critical. And, and networking is critical when you look at it from the perspective, and we teach women to have leverage. It creates leverage. See, when you go into a group, a lot of people, the mistake that some people do is they go into an event and they want to sell everybody. What the truth of the matter is you should be going to an event so that you can influence people's perceptions of you so that they want to be with you. And every event has the same thing. On the outskirts is everybody that doesn't know anybody. So they all hold up the walls of an event. You go towards the center, the center, the more center you go, that's usually where the most powerful and influential people are in the center. They kind of hold hands and they just go in circles together. I've I've come to the conclusion. So you want to be seen as an influencer and you want to be seen as somebody that, that they can trust will take care of them. And the best way, and so when you're running your own business, you want to build a reputation of that so that people will call you up to ask for assistance, ask for insight. And by the way, they also want to help you. And so you give and then you receive. You give and you receive. So you're going to give help. So I always tell people that are going to business. Now, now not to say that I have, um, I wish I could show you. I'm, I'm trying, my desk is, my desk is one of those desks with piles. I, I do well on piles. Um, but it means that when you get, you know, your lists of people at certain events, you know, that have lists like this. Of course, of course yeah. you're holding this up on video. This is an audio podcast. So nobody else saw what you just Darn. held up. But, so, but so she good. did hold up. She held up a My list. My desk is spotless and perfect. My desk is spotless and perfect. And I have well-documented emails and, and things like that, business cards. No, my desk is a mess and I have tons of business cards and lists. Um, my job is to go back to those people and, and ask how, not how I can sell you, but who do you want to know? Who do you want to be connected to? Who do you want, who do you need to be a success? Remember, it's kind of, it's funny that you pointed out that, you know, I don't let them fail. I really want these people to succeed. So, what do they need to know, do, or have so that they could be successful? And that's how, when you do that with people, then you have a network. Then you have people that help you instead of going in, which is where the fear base comes. The fear based is I need to sell you to make money. I need to sell you to do this. I need to sell you to do that. And that, especially if you've never come from a sales background, that is a really, really hard thing for people to do. It's like you've got to walk over so many belief systems and barriers and conflicts and about selling yourself that you become a, an obnoxious 
person well, that nobody wants to be around. And, and you're right. So many people go into these networking things, whether it's at a, a conference or it's their chamber of commerce or it's even in someone's, you know, they get invited to a backyard barbecue and they find out that somebody there could do business with them. I always say that it's as they, they view the other people as if they have a pork chop hanging around their neck and they're a hungry wolf who hasn't eaten in a week. Right. And, and all they know to do is flick a switch, deliver an elevator pitch and then pounce and try to get the pork chop. And it's like, whoa, yeah. kind of slow down. Yeah, yeah. I always tell people that whenever you go in, you're going to an event, your job, even so, let's say you're going to a fundraising event and it's funded by the American Heart Association. I always tell people, you go in as a host. Always think that you're the host, the hostess with Moses, like they're coming into your home. Become that same person that they're coming into your home. And people say, well, but we're not hosting the Red Cross Heart, you know, the Heart. Ball. And I'm like, yeah, but no, there is no host because they're all too busy being in the front of the dais. There's no host going around to see if everybody's okay. So if you go in thinking that you're the hostess, your job is going to be to taking care of people. So you're going to need, know, you need to know four things. One, you have to know where the bathrooms are because if you're the host, they're going to ask you, do you know where the bathrooms are? Number two is if it's a cocktail party, be precinct. You need to know where the bar is. Bar Knowing where the bar is is really, really important. Number three is you want to know a little bit about the organization. So you pick up a brochure and read the back of what the mission statement is. You don't have to be the expert. You want to know a little bit about what the organization is over there. And then the fourth thing is that you are there to make them feel comfortable. So you put on the host hat. I do this when I'm speaking to Tom. I put on the host hat and I would do the same thing that I would do if you came to my house. I'm going to go around and see that people are meeting and talking. So I look for wallflowers to meet other wallflowers so they can talk. I go around and say hello to a tables. How are you? Welcome for being here. Let me t- find out your name. I truly act. Ooh, excuse me. I truly act like I'm the host. I want them and here's what happens is they remember you because the one is they think that you must be a really big wig. Pagin, that is such good, that is such great advice, and and I I fully agree. One of the things I do is is I kind of one of a niche in my speaking career is I'm an expert in users conferences. So a lot of companies will have a customer event, and. One is if I speak at the event, I can help set the tone so that the customers are going to have a more engaging experience. But one of the things I offer all my customers when I speak at a user's conference is I can come in, usually by Skype, sometimes in person. I can come in and talk to their employees a few weeks before the event, and I tell them, remember – all of you are the host. It's not just the CEO. Every one of you who works for this company is the host, and you wouldn't invite someone to your house and then just leave the door unlocked and you know let them just come in and you show up whenever and yet at these customer events at these client events oftentimes you know it'll start at the welcome reception will be at five o'clock and the employees don't show up until like five fifteen five thirty they need to be there forty five minutes early in case somebody arrives early and they need to have not necessarily a receiving line but they need to have a welcoming thing but I love your twist on that that it doesn't even have to be your company's event. You don't even have to be on the committee. Just show up and act like the host, and it's going to oh, have a benefit. That's that's great. And it's really funny when you do that and you act like the host and you go in and it's not your event. The hosters, the, the actual hosters, 
will come up to you and say, thank you so much for stepping in like that. I just couldn't, that was so sweet of you to step in. And it's like, my service, no problem. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Pagina, I've got a couple more questions for you before we end this episode. But first, I have to thank the sponsor of this show. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing cool people like Pagin. If you want to start a podcast, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. They make this show actually show up on iTunes or Stitcher or on my website, wherever you go to listen to it. They do all that. I just invite people sort of into my house via Skype or Zoom and I make the recording. They do all the rest. So if you want to start a podcast, you got to do it with Podfly. Podfly Productions, that's podfly.net. So Pagin, I call my show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What is the coolest thing that you're doing with your company right now? The coolest thing that I'm doing with my company right now is something called the Global Women's Leadership Experience, which is really so freaking cool. It's like so amazing. So I work with large companies like uh, my Fortune 100 global, Fortune 100 company that you could look up and see who that Fortune 100 company is. And we take our scenarios to them. So we just completed one with 60 global women that they flew in. We take over a hotel. We had four scenarios, a networking scenario, a pitch scenario, uh, a speaking scenario, and a... And a um, face-to-face with customer scenario, and totally imaginary. We had 32 role players from the locale, which is awesome. You have to understand something. I hire local. So these are people that my casting director finds. They're from the area. They're so happy to make money and be there. It's just great. And then these women go through a full-day experience. Well, it was such a success. Yeah, yeah, baby that we got booked for four more for uh, three two more with a possible four more for next year and now other companies are going asking for it so it's a little slight difference of what we've done in the past with the military this is very segmented very focused and niched and that's awesome and then the second thing which i gained just from this weekend that we were together is i'm fast production of books uh i always take so much time to write a book and somebody taught me over this weekend i just did my first one it's gonna well move, move moving accelerated paces to talk my book get it tra- transcribed get it fixed up to look pretty produce it and i've got a book so i had these 15 marbles in my head of books that i can now just talk them rather than write them and somebody else writes, you know, transcribes what I've written. So I'm freaking excited. So look for the kick your own butt series. I have my book. Sometimes you need to kick your own butt. But and now uh, you'll be hearing the kick your own butt series. And you can always just follow me on peggyne.com, P-E-G-I-N-E dot com. 
oh, I'll give you three chapters of my new book, Bragging Rights, if you go there. You have to go down to the bottom. But, oh, my gosh, this book is so freaking cool. And then you'll have me forever. (laughs) So, Pagina and I were together in High Point, North Carolina, at High Point University for a conference that the National Speakers Association put on. We both have the certified speaking professional designation. There's only about 800 people in the world who have that designation, and 60 or 70 of us convened for the weekend at at High Point University, and we actually had sort of a think tank where we got to sit around and talk about ideas about the speaking industry and how to take our businesses to the next level. And so it was all full of ideas like that. And one of the ideas was, I said, Pagin, I got to have you on the show. So I'm really glad that I did because I think although this is a long episode for those who listen regularly, we're a little bit longer than normal, but I think you are going to be very excited to have gotten this far because she is so full of just great things that she's doing. Now, before I let you go, I do have two questions that I ask everybody who comes on the show. And, and the first one is, who is someone else? Not Let's not talk about your business. Who's another entrepreneur that you look at and you say, wow, he or she, that they're really crushing it. Because I think great entrepreneurs, I think they're observers. I think they're always watching who else is out there doing something cool. So who do you want to tell us about? So I want to tell you, so I'm in a mastermind that's no, that's not speakers. It's they're multimillionaires in their own businesses. And somehow I got selected to be a part of their group, which I'm thrilled about. So the first one is Anna Roche, who's a managing partner of an amazing accounting firm who hires unusual accountants to think differently, be differently, do differently with high end accounting. Hers, I learned from her always how she manages people. I've never met anybody that can work with a team of people and see their magnificence every day. The second one is Anne Sabag, and Anne runs a healthcare wellness firm that's $7 million. And she, again, is also someone that is so passionate about what she does, but is so such a critical thinker about numbers. So behind her in her office are her numbers and goals, and everybody has a goal, and they meet at 9 27 a.m. Not every nine, Monday not nine twenty six. Not nine twenty six. Nine twenty seven. It's been doing. She's been doing it for over twenty years. At nine twenty seven, they spend nine twenty seven until nine thirty going through the goals. It's amazing what's been done. And then the last one is Susan Reamer Riswick, who's grown her business to two hundred and fifty million dollars. And she, what's fascinating is she didn't know that she was an entrepreneur until about two years ago. In her mind, she was just servicing her client. It, it, until she was in our group and we said, well, you're an entrepreneur. She was like, no, I just, I just I, I'm not a business owner. I, I just work for my clients. It was really am- amazing. So those are my t- three. They're amazing. They, they, I love them to the death and I'm honored to be around them all the time. So the last question is, what is it that you do to give back to the greater good? Because I think more than making money, I think, I think entrepreneurs want to leave their mark in the world. So what do you do? So I mentor women and Latina women who want to run in businesses and girls. I, I'm very involved with Girl Scouts. I love Girl Scouts. I volunteer with that. I, so I do a lot of things. I volunteer with that. I volunteer with um, the local Jacksonville Women's Business Center, and I volunteer with them to work with new not new, young, new into entrepreneurs and how to grow the business. I volunteer with the National Speakers Association to give back to all that's been given to me and support aspiring speakers. I love that with all my heart. 
And then I run an organization called Success for Vets, which is um, serving all military women who are now looking for new, they've left, they're looking for new life um, outside career. And we support them by letting them be the most magnificent souls they are and sharing with the world why women who serve our country are valuable assets to our country. So that that is so great that you do so much. And I love the fact that you support the Girl Scouts. That's probably a better gang than the one you were involved with. Oh, my God. Well, I was. What's really scary is I was in the Girl Scouts while I was in the gang. Which is <laughs> my mom signed me up with the Girl Scouts while I was in the gang to try to save me. And Mrs. B volunteered. She was a single woman from Wall Street, volunteered to mentor three girls and she wanted troublemakers. And I was the one that was selected. So she was with me all through my teens and taught me more about business and about belief. That's why I left the gang was because of Mrs. B and Girl Scouts. And I will tell you, if you're going to select a troublemaker, you would still select Pagine. Hey, Pagine, <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much for jumping on and giving your time to the cool things entrepreneurs do audience. I think you shared a lot of nuggets. I think this is one of those episodes where people will rewind it and listen to it again. Hey, if somebody wants to find you, they're like, who is this Pagine? How do I find her? Where do they go? They go to two places, P-E-G-I-N-E.com, P-E-G-I-N-E.com. They can also go to team, Pegin, T-E-A-M-P-E-G-I-N-E.com. They could sign up there. And if they forget all of that, just go to kickyourownbutt.com and sign up. Kickyourownbutt.com. That's what we try to get people to do here on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Again, thanks to Pegin for being here. And thank you to everybody who listened. We went a little long on this episode, but I don't think anyone's going to complain because it was full of great stuff. Hey, I say it all the time. If it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. You can follow us on our Facebook page. You can follow us on Twitter. It's at Cool Podcast because we're the Cool Podcast. And you can also join our group coaching program. We meet on Monday nights. We have a little bit of a chat. You get a couple of hours with me to help you kind of get through maybe some areas that you're stuck. And that is called the Cool Things Project. If you want more information about the Cool Things Project, go to TomSinger.com. Go to the About button. And right there, you'll find the link to everything you want to know about what we're doing with this small but mighty group of entrepreneurs who get together and sort of support each other, help each other, and think bigger. Hey, thanks for listening. We're going to be back in a couple of days with another episode and an interview with somebody just as cool as Pagin. But in the meantime, hey, you go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.